Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Super big thanks goes out to the whole Salem team for putting together the show today. But super bigger thanks goes out to Jose Cruz for he'll be engineering the show today and taking your calls a little later on. Hey, before we get to the topic of the show, Martha, really we should talk about the I Work For Him Nation. What, 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 when you when we talk about the I work for him nation, what are some of the things you think I should be saying? Because I talk about this every day, but we don't get people joining every day. No, I think if we kind of look at it from a patriotic situation, um, that much like the way we're designed to um, stand up for what our country stands for, that's kind of what we've called to for this nation that we've. Um, developed. I work for Him Nation. It's really just a commitment to things that you know that you want to stand for and allow God to do in your life. Things like praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day, looking for ways to serve the people that you work alongside, looking for ways to befriend them. Because if you have a friendship with somebody, you get a chance to share how Christ has made a difference in your life just Physically, being alongside of them, they're going to notice something is different about you. Members of the I Work For Him Nation also look for ways to pray with people. But more than anything, members of the I Work For Him Nation are an example of God's glory in the workplace. They are people of excellence, doing the best they can in their position. If you join the I Work For Him Nation, if you want to know how to join it, you go out to IWorkForHim.com. Iwork, the number four, Him.com. And when you go out there, a flag will pop up and say, hey, join the nation. And you can read about it when you click on that flag. If you join it, you will get a personal email from me. No, it's not some auto-robo-mail. Don't believe in that. Maybe someday when we're national, maybe I will. But right now, it'll be a personal email from me, along with a copy of the I Work For Him Nation Covenant. And we will send you... Car sticker. Martha almost said bumper sticker. Yes. She almost said bumper sticker. And she won't let me say bumper sticker it on the It can be a bumper sticker, but it can be a window sticker. It can be a locker sticker. It can be a cubicle sticker. It can be whatever kind of sticker you want it to be. But the point is, is that it's just a reminder and also a conversation starter for people to say, hey, what's that? I work for him nation. That's all it says. It's got our logo and then the word nation. And so the whole idea is to just... Uh, it's like you're, you're something you believe in. It's something you're standing up for. So you get one of those free if you join the I Work For Him Nation. Let's just say, though, you want just the sticker. No, we can't do that. No, but we would ask people to really pray about what the Absolutely. covenant is all about and then, and then join. And that's really the, you know, Jim and I have talked about the fact that we, I want to carry the sticker around and give it to people. But the whole point is that it's 
very purposeful and it's just our desire we're not we don't want to be stingy with it at all we'd love to give them all away but for people that have truly made that commitment that they are joining the forces to pray with other people for their workplace and their coworkers. You know, and I don't know if you've noticed, but the world has fallen apart at the seams. Have you watched any of the presidential debates? Holy smokes, people. We're in trouble. Now nah, we're not really in trouble, but the world is a mess. We've got hope. We know the answer to all the questions they're asking. They're thinking that their presidential candidate is going to solve all the problems. They're thinking their elected representative is going to solve all their problems. They're thinking that this amendment and that amendment is going to solve all their problems. The answer to every one of the questions they're asking is Jesus. You and I, we have the opportunity to bring Jesus to work with us every day. He doesn't, you don't have the option to leave him at home. If you're a Christ follower, everything about you should be changing. And in changing, you bring him to work and you just start to be who you are in Christ in the workplace. And then start working on those other things by just starting to pray for the people that you work alongside. It will transform your workplace, beginning with the transformation of your heart. And that's what I work for him is all about. It's not, you know, we're not having you join some club and send in a membership fee. Although if you want to send in money, that's fantastic. We will put it to good use, but that is not what this is about. This is about you and me joining our Heavenly Father to absolutely rock the workplace with Jesus. That's what we're talking about doing. How did you, should I step off the soapbox now? Am I doing okay? I don't think you were on a soapbox. I think the only thing to clarify is that you were saying they think that their candidate, they think, they think, we all think that. We all, you weren't talking one side of the aisle or the other. We're talking about in general, people believe. The people you work with, that's the yes. day. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. All right, sorry, sorry. I, I, I'm, it's okay. I don't think the person that I'm going to vote for is going to solve all the nation's problems either. I no, am not but, that naive. But remember the verse that we learned back when we did Crown. Yes, from Second Chronicles. And it talks about... The heavens about, and the earth are yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. And it was at your hand that men are made great and given strength. There's more to in, that In verse. the middle there's stuff, that's I, right. I, I caught you off guard on our memory verse, but, um, but the point of that particular verse was the fact that God is in you control of everything. You are ruler of all mankind. Your hand controls power and might, and it is at your discretion that men are made great and given strength. Mm. It's in Second Chronicles somewhere. It is. <laughs> so people can look it up. But the, it, it is a powerful verse. It almost brings me to tears because it's that kind of a um, we so much, especially around this time of year, think about the power of the people, and it, it's God's power. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. All the craziness is going around. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. God is still on the throne. People, join me in this. Join Martha and I in this as we want to transform our nation by bringing our faith to the workplace. <sighs> You know, Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, this is so important. And if you're not familiar with this verse, my recommendation is grab the Bible, the Bible that you got at home by your nightstand and reread the Gospels. And you should do it often so you can really see what our, our, our Heavenly Father said through his son, Jesus, when he was here on earth. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Rest. <laughs> so dramatic rest uh, take my yoke upon you let me teach you because i am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls 
For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now, that's one of those things that it takes a paradigm shift in your mind to understand how can a burden be light? How can a yoke be easy? But that's that Romans 12, 2 verse all on that we're talking about. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world because that's what the world says. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Martha, our world is so ridiculously busy. And as I was preparing, I, I got to read this. Uh, I started reading this book by Charles Hummel, uh, Tyranny of the Urgent. It was given to me by uh, the people, I think, at InterVarsity Press, wasn't it? Yeah, it was InterVarsity mm-hmm. Press. And uh, I, I saw it. I'm like, this is really cool. Because here's the, the really cool part about this is he wrote this little book back in 1967, the year after we were born. Yes. And he was talking about the tyranny. Actually, he of probably the, wrote it when we were born. It probably. It just probably took that long to get published. Well, yeah, back then they had to do it with, they had to carve <laughs> rocks in order to put letters on them. Now, now. Typeset, though. Yeah, probably. it was typeset. So you look at that back in 1967. He's writing about the tyranny of the urgent 50 years ago. No cell phones, no computers. Uh, your phones on the wall were still the dial con, not kind, not rotary. even touch the rotary, not even touch tone. Mm-hmm. Most families had one car. Probably had party lines, actually. Yeah, some so. and some. Well, where you lived, there were party lines mm-hmm. in the late '60s and early '70s. So people are going party lines. Everybody gets on their party Google, on. You have to Google yeah, it. Google that. <laughs> so I mean, and he's worrying about the tyranny of the urgent of 50 years ago. Imagine what he'd say today. Well, you know what? I think that that's something I actually I was thinking about that a lot. And number one, you said you started reading this book. Well, it's not a very big book. Oh, no, I finished it, too. Yeah, we both read it. So I didn't start it. it you read all what, 30 pages. That's a beautiful thing about it is that it's it still counts a very as one of the books I read this year. message that we're going to talk about today. But um, I think about this often when I think back to the early church and, uh, you know, first century church, things like that. They had a crazy world too. It was just different than it is now, but there was hustle and bustle. And I mean, they had to do so much labor and just to get stuff done every day. So I think that our urgent looks different. Our world looks crazy busy, but it's just different than it's ever been before. But I don't, I don't think, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. We know that. I don't think that that part of it is even new. Now, I agree. I mean, it, it's, I believe it's been crazy for a very long time. And it is, it is just nuts when we start really looking at all the details in our lives. And that's why, you know, I was, I was joking with you off the air about John 10, 10, not joking. Cause I was like, I got something I'm going to say and hold on people. Hold on. Cause Jesus knew this was coming. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief, the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, The devil, whatever you want to call him. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus saying this, I came that they, that being you, me, the rest of us, that they may have life and have it abundantly or live it till its fullest. People, the enemy has successfully used crazy, stupid busyness to steal from us. To kill us, heart attackville, it, 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 to steal, kill, and destroy, to destroy marriages. Because the busier are, busier you are, the the weaker your relationships are. 
So to steal, kill, and destroy all has to do with this subject, the tyranny of the urgent. And what's a tyranny? Maybe we should define tyranny for people. Okay, I mean, the, the people in Boston, when they threw the tea in the harbor a few hundred years ago, they were rejecting the tyranny of the British Empire, the rulers over us, the taxation without representation. Right? Yes. Could you give me a little bit more than that? <laughs> just waiting for you to like explain tyranny so the tyranny goes back to hey the people imposing their will on us to their advantage so the tyranny of the urgent is imposing the urgency on us well yeah it's it's imposing urgency urgency is imposing its will on us instead of us rejecting and go no oh wait a minute that's the most powerful word ever let me repeat that Here is the most powerful word in your vocabulary. Your vocabulary. I was going to say Your vocabulary. (laughs) That was cute, honey. Talking to you from Southern United States, your vocabulary. Sorry, I didn't do that on purpose. It just, my lips stuck. Instead of saying vocabulary, they just, okay. Your vocabulary, and no offense to you Southerners, I love you guys. Uh, Seriously, the most powerful word? It's a two-letter word. Not a four-letter word, but a two-letter word. No. It is so powerful. Just say it. Everybody say it with me today. No. No. All right, Jose, say it along with us. No. 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 Very good. (laughs) No. No, That's right. Say it one more time. That's how my son used to say it. No. No. That's right. No. No. All right. So, But this word is so powerful, and that's how you fight the tyranny of the urgent. You have to say no. No. Or, as Tim Hawkins says in a very famous video, which I haven't been able to find it again, he says no to his children in a hundred different ways, all in very clever fashion. All the different ways to serve up the word no. Seven, eight, nine, no. Yeah, that's good. He's more, it's the only eeny, one you can't buy Eeny, meeny, miny, No. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes on. It's just the most amazing video. All right. So the tyranny of the urgent. We got to fight the tyranny of the urgent. Our heavenly Father, our Savior Jesus Christ, said, "Wait a minute. You got to watch out for this because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy." How is the enemy doing that in your life right now? How is the enemy getting you so caught up in urgent, ridiculous garbage? That you are having life stolen, killed, and destroyed all around you. Instead of living the life that Jesus came to give us life and give us the ability to live it abundantly. So can we talk about a few of those examples? Well, yeah, I think that's how, going back to how we haven't shared anything from our testimony yet today on the show. I think that's how we should do it. What are some of the ways in the last year that we have felt the tyranny of the urgent and we've said no? You tell me, because that wasn't what I was thinking at the moment. Okay, so you fine. Tell me. Well, you go first, because ladies first. No, I just said you tell <laughs> See, me. See, she just said no to me. She's practicing. <laughs> That's not the kind of no that you okay, mean. Okay, so. I was we're thinking in... in general, things that our listeners could relate to, okay. like the fact that we'll Facebook we'll get... has notifications. So you look at your phone, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, so-and-so posted this, and they shared this, and so-and-so did this, and that they're forcing that to be urgent upon you because you've set, made your settings that way. So you can change your settings. It was just something that I was like, that is something that's like, oh, all of a sudden it's like, oh, pretty thing I need to look at. Practical examples in the second segment of the I Work For Him, never done before. Unbelievable. You are so incredible. Okay, so, so I'm just, 
We're just having fun. And that was a good example because the notifications, does that mean you're going to shut off your Facebook notifications? No. I, <laughs> I'm just saying it's a perfect example of things. Oh, I select them. I don't have everybody's notifications, but like, you like, like mine. I have yours oh, you so do? that I can know. She knows yes. what I'm posting stuff. All right, let's go back to what I was going to get to. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll talk, forget about oh, Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. Facebook. You're, you're is, leading the discussion. It's a control. It's, Facebook's just a control but thing. But that's, po- that's the point. It is. There's so many things we allow to so become is the urgent. Cell phone. The cell phone is the biggest ball and chain ever developed by man. It, it can is, be a beautiful thing. It can be a ball and chain. It is a tool of evil. <laughs> All right. So what I was getting to is what are some of the things that we've said no to that had the danger of imposing the tyranny of the urgent in our lives here in the last year? Here's the first example. We are involved in this great young married small group at our church. Mm-hmm. Where we're the old people, and they're the young people. And we just wanted to just hang out around young people. It's inspiring to hang around young people. Number two, we've been married longer. Maybe they can learn something from us. We can encourage them. That's just fantastic. We love it. It's called Just Married. Get it? Then they merged with Sacred Hearts. Now it's Sacred Marriage. And we just love being there. But Martha and I are leaders. We're organizers. We're teachers. We we have had to fight all year long to just say, no, we're not going to lead the class. We're a little busy with the radio show, and we travel a lot with the radio show, and so we just had to say no. And and that has protected the tyranny of the urgent, but it drives me nuts because I want to help. You do. I love it. And I do, too. And yes, that's been a very big lesson in self-discipline, self-control, submission, all of those things, because we are... We like to do, we like to help and, and be involved. And so we've really tried to just let God work, which is what we should all be doing anyway. <laughs> let God work, but um, be his hands and feet. Is there, is there anything else that we've said no to to protect ourselves from the tyranny of the urgent? I have to think about that during the break. Talking about the tyranny of the urgent. How amazing is that? that most of us don't even recognize the power of the urgent in our lives. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I, the enemy came, comes, the enemy has come, the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and live it to its fullest. There's a battle going on for our own schedules. Used to be a battle for our calendar hanging on the wall. Then it became a calendar for our Palm Pilot. Oh, no, Daytimer. Oh, yeah. Daytimer. Uh, that's right. A battle going on for our Daytimer. <laughs> and then it was, now it's a battle going on for our, uh, then it was an Outlook calendar. Now it's our Google Palm calendar. Palm Pilot. Yeah, Palm Pilot. Oh, we're really dating ourselves. Yes, that was an awesome thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be on your BlackBerry, but not anymore. All right, so this tyranny of the urgent. Did you think of anything else that we've said no to this year that just, it was going to stress us out and saying no was the right decision because it eliminated the tyranny of the urgent in our lives. Well, sure. There was a uh, conference this summer that we really wanted to go to and be and participate in, but it just it came up pretty quick. And at the time that we were making a transition to being full-time in the radio, and it just was going to really tax a lot of areas. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's, it is a good thing. It was a fabulous thing. It probably would have helped us make great, connections and relationships and learn about new books and authors and things like that. But bottom line was we just couldn't make it happen and do it well. And so we had to say no. And that was really 
hard and difficult. And I think there's a lot of things like that that come up in life, whether you're asked to be on a committee at church, whether you're asked to um, support somebody um, with some time for maybe raising money for a missions project or whatever it might be. But uh, there, you you know, this is kind of a, a backwards approach to it, but you used to have a sign that year that you were teaching school and it said, your um, lack inability to prepare is not my crisis or something your like failure that. Failure to plan does not create go. a crisis on my behalf. Something like that. Something and so like that, that. So I think that really goes along with the tyranny of the urgent because other people can impose urgency on you and it may not be from the Lord. All right. So here's here's some things that, that you know, okay, soapbox. Here comes soapbox moment. Get ready, people. One of the things that the enemy has used to destroy the family, literally, to keep the family running all the time, eliminating family meals, disrupting relaxing weekends, kids' sports. They are out of control. It is not critical to the development of your child to be involved in a sport that that involves every night of the week and every weekend and keeps you out of church. I mean, I understand if you're actually ministering on the field on Sundays, fine, if you are, but it's such a danger, such a danger, because what I have seen kids sports do in the last 20 years is take over family time. Husbands and wives are running one direction and run one child to a different sport to another child to a different sport. They're not connecting the kids aren't connecting. They're not having meals together. They're busy, 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 busy. What for? For crying out loud, people recognize an attack of the enemy. Learn to say no. This is a serious battle. But you talk about the tyranny, the urgent. When I hear families go, well, tonight we're busy going to this sport, and tomorrow night we're busy that going to sport. Well, in fact, the next night, both Bob and I have to go to this direction, that direction, and then on Saturday we got this tournament, Sunday we got this I mean. That just that's not what life was supposed to be. Right. And it's such a it is such a pull and such a challenge to figure out what that uh, what is really healthy for your family. But the and, and to even take that a step further is there's a lot of things that people get involved in where there's not a whole lot of ahead of time knowing what a schedule is going to be. So you are at the beck and call of, oh, tonight we have this or Tuesday night. So you can't even know or protect time to be home or to be as a family. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, lock yourself in your house and never go anywhere, but enjoy life. Enjoy uh, just living together and that whole that whole process rather than always being running, running, running. And and it's okay to say no. Your child will not be scarred for life if you say no to a certain sport. You know, and I think when you were saying that, it was also making me think of just people that take up hobbies that can be all-consuming, whether it's golf. Golf can be a good thing, but it can also be... it pulls you away from your family, it can be a bad thing. Yes, and so many other things, whether well, it's why'd you pick scrap- on golf? That tends to be a men thing. What about picking on women things? Well, I played golf. I was in a league when I was younger, so I don't think it's just a guy thing. No, but it tends to be a guy thing that pulls them away from their family. Okay, um, scrapbooking, People going to you know uh, home parties all the time every night of the week for different things, things like that. I mean, there's just a lot of choices, and again, all of them can be really good things, but. 
prioritizing is important. But how do you learn to set priorities? I mean, how, what is the godly way to set priorities in order to protect yourself from the tyranny of the urgent? I mean, that that's really, that's such, how do you do it is one of those things. Because I think a lot of couples really struggle with that. And I think we got to go back to what are God-given priorities in life? And, and this, listen, if you're going, wait a minute, what does this have to do with the workplace? Oh my goodness. If you don't see this, if you don't understand the tyranny of, tyranny of the urgent in your workplace and in your home, it's also related. I mean, how many of you don't know how to say no at work? How many of you work 12 and 15 hour days because you can't say no at work? You're not getting paid to work 12 or 15 hour days unless you're really getting paid to work 12 or 15 hour days. I, mean, it- I have a great example about the workplace. So uh, you maybe have a job that's project oriented and you have a deadline coming up. Maybe it's the end of the week and it's Monday morning and you've kind of scheduled out how you're going to get it done. And then people start emailing you about other things that are unrelated, but it's like, uh, oh, that's only going to take 10 minutes and I can get that done. Or that's only going to take a half hour and I can get that done. And pretty soon all those little urgent things have taken you off of your goal of the project that you had a strict deadline on. Right. It's that attack of the urgent to keep you away from your priorities, from mm-hmm. what's important. Mm-hmm. And, and so let's just talk about the God-given priorities. What, what In all of our lives, everybody listening, all of us, Martha and I sitting here in the studio, our priorities. What's our number one priority? Our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It should take first priority in our day. It should be the first thing that we invest in. It should be the first thing we spend time in. That should be our number one priority. Anything that compromises our number one priority is something we should learn to say no to. All right, what's our number two priority, Martha? Um, our spouse. You hesitated. Sorry, kidding. I was looking ahead at all the great chapters of the Bible study so that I could I could talk about it. <laughs> She's really just looking at Facebook. I mean, honey, you're my priority. Yeah. Okay, so your number one priority, your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Number two, if you're married, it's your spouse. Yes. Number th- and, and your spouse is your number one ministry as well. Your number t- three priority and your number one mission field, your children. That's right. So... That, and, and I don't want that to be confusing to people, but the reason you're making the difference between priority and ministry is that if they don't yet have a relationship with That's the Lord, right. you need to focus on that. And that so, needs to be more important than leading someone else to Christ, if that's possible. You can't really rank them, but at the same time, at home, you you're, you want your home to be God-loving, Christ-fearing, you know, um, serving Him. Well, listen, this is something even Billy Graham struggled with. I mean, it's written in a lot of his books how he just struggled with, he had God first, but his ministry, which is his number four priority, jumped in front of his wife and his children. And and that's why Paul said, listen, if you can stay single, then you don't have wife and children in the way of your ministry. You go right from God to ministry. But when you're married or you've got children, they become a higher priority than other outside ministry and, and other work. And so anything that causes you to compromise quality time with your wife or husband on a regular basis, you need to say no, because the urgent is going to kill, steal, steal, kill, and destroy that relationship. Anything that causes you from feeding your children with quality character stuff, feeding your children with examples and discipleship in Jesus Christ, anything that compromises your quality family time and their ability to get a good education and a good night's rest, those are things you should say 
No to. Practice it, Martha. No. How hard was that for you to learn that word? Oh, pretty hard. I'm still learning. Oh, you do awesome at it now. All right, you're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we're talking about the tyranny of the urgent. How was the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy from you? Are you recognizing the fact that Jesus said, hey, I came so that you might have life and live it to its most abundant, live it to its fullest? You know, Martha, when you read that piece from there, it is so, it's just so relevant because in all of our lives, when you look at the last 30 years of our marriage, okay, how many times did, have we gotten caught up in the tyranny of the urgent. I mean, I don't know. I'm not asking for a every number, day. but every day. Wow. Is it really that bad? I suppose there's probably times probably. in every day where yeah. we're just. Well, the garbage has to go out. Well, not every day. Well, it seems like it. We used to it have comes. children. We used to have children at home the do that kind of stuff. And, you know, a couple times a week in Florida, because it, otherwise it'd be very stinky. Right. And up north in the snow belt, you know, when it snowed, all of a sudden shovel and driveway became become an urgency because if you don't shovel it and then you drive over it, then it becomes ice and that becomes annoying for the rest of the winter. So there's all different kinds of things that fight for that tyranny, the urgent, but how, how do we uh, distinguish between urgent things and important things? What's your idea on that? Well, I think that, um, really being able to look at it from that eternal perspective, like I just read can really help you in determining that. So, so many times it's like, I want all the laundry done because it's just driving me crazy. Okay. But I have a Bible study that I really need to be spending my time involved in studying for and preparing or doing my homework. And so looking at it from that eternal perspective, which one is way more important? Yes, ultimately, you do need to do your laundry and get your clothes clean. But at the moment, in the eternal perspective, which one has greater value? And and I think it's really you know, we we had very good friends for many, many, many years that before we went on vacation, as we're leaving at four o'clock in the morning, she'd be vacuuming her hallway because she wanted the house to be vacuumed before she left. No, no, no. It's good because she wanted it vacuumed when she came home. That's what I meant. And she wanted it clean when she you got know, home. Like, it's all looking like that's the most urgent thing you should be doing at four o'clock in the morning before you're leaving to drive across the country. But it, it was just funny. Make it fun of her. And if she's listening, grateful that she's listening today. But understanding, ladies and gentlemen, listening, we need to sit back. John 10.10 summarizes so much of the battle that we face because we need to recognize the the tools of the enemy. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And, And when it comes to our time, he comes to steal our quality time with our children, our quality time with our spouses, the quality time at home. He comes to steal our peace. He comes to kill us through heart attack, Bill. You know, because of the stress in our lives, he comes to destroy our marriages and our relationship with our kids. How many times have you heard the story of a businessman or a businesswoman that worked so much, they lost everything that was important? That's because the tyranny of the urgent ruled their lives instead of God's priorities, instead of the important things. Yeah, and it's really hard because a lot of people put financial pressures on themselves that make them justify the urgent. Um, and that's a dangerous place to be. We uh, we recently were ta- hearing from somebody about generosity, and that was one of the things that really it boiled down to was knowing what God has set as your standard in your home and then sticking to that and not if not working so hard to attain more to have a better standard of ge- of living but if anything, to have a better standard of giving, as we've talked about many times. But it's it's all in putting those those important things in place, which means talking about it, having discussions, really looking and saying, you know what, what is what is God believe? What do we believe that God says is really important in this home? And let's make sure those things are a priority. Well, let's look at the example that Jesus set, because okay. he was really good at setting an example on 
important versus urgent. I mean, I mean, we all know, maybe not, the story of Lazarus. Okay, Lazarus was one of Jesus' very close friends. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were brother and sister, brother and sisters, and Jesus hung out with these people. This is somebody that really, I mean, Jesus, I mean, he was very involved in our lives because when Lazarus, when he was at Lazarus's tomb, he wept. I mean, this was close friend. Yet when news came to Jesus, when he was out in another town outside of Jerusalem or outside of wherever Lazarus lived, that Lazarus was really sick and they said, come quickly. Jesus understood what was important, not what was urgent. And he waited. In fact, he waited because he had a point to make. He waited until Lazarus had been in the grave for four days because he knew what was important. What was important was that he go and he raised Lazarus from the dead to say, hey, I have the ability to raise people from the dead at day four. They've been in the grave. They're already smelly. The King James Version uh, says, Lord, well, okay, I'm paraphrasing except for one word. Are you sure you want to pull away the, the, the cover from the tomb? Because he stinketh. <laughs> I remember that in a sermon as a kid. I thought that was an awesome. He stinketh. All right. So, but I mean, he'd been decomposing already. And Jesus said, because the Jews thought, well, anybody could raise from the dead within three days. Well, they still believed that in the first three days, the, the, the spirit was hanging around. still right. hung around. Right. So it wouldn't have been a miracle. So I got off track. So Jesus knew it was important. So he comes back. And he raises, first he mourns with his friends, and then he raises them from the dead because he understood what was important. He didn't let his life be driven by urgency. Here's how Jesus demonstrated a proper use of time. Every morning, he'd sneak away to have quiet time with his heavenly father, with his father. He didn't heal everybody. Not everybody who was sick or disabled during Jesus's time was healed. Right. He healed people along the way, but he kept what was important which was to get the message of the good news that salvation had come to, to Israel. He wanted to spread that news to as many cities as possible. And he healed along the way, but he didn't heal everybody. And he did, he only did what he saw the father doing. So he only did what he was directed to do. Not everything. You know, how many times Martha do, do you have to stop me and go, Jim, that's not your problem. You don't need to solve that problem. Often, often, often. It's true. I mean, it, just the other day we were talking about something like, I just want to fix it. Oh, I know what it was in the neighborhood behind us. There's signs. Somebody got ran over with a car. I just want to fix it because it's been laying on the ground for weeks. Martha goes, just leave it alone. That's not your oh, issue. It's, yeah, it's I mean, well, in it's, the grand scheme me. Of things, it's private property. Maybe there's a I don't know, but it's, you know, it's bugging me. Yes. OK, so but how, you know, just. Making choices, listen to your wife. That's a great thing. Jesus was never in a hurry. He didn't miss the people along the way. He was never in a hurry. You never heard. And Jesus jogged from Bethany back to Nazareth. It didn't say that. He didn't jog from Bethany back into Jerusalem. And he was out jogging, running around. It doesn't say anywhere that Jesus was out jogging or running. No. In fact, the only time we know in Scripture that God was in a hurry is remember what this is? The story of the prodigal son. Yeah, when he ran out to and greet his son. when the son... Um, became, you know, was coming over the horizon and into view and the father ran out to greet his son. And that is such a beautiful picture because in that circumstance, God hurries. You know, it's important for us to think as this applies, this understanding and being able to fight the tyranny of the urgent, we need to put it in perspective. 
We need to understand how this plays into our workplace, into our home place, in our neighborhood place, in our own lives. Because each one of us battles the tyranny of the urgent in a different fashion. We're not all tempted with the same things. I'm not tempted with spending three or four hours watching a football game on a Sunday afternoon or a Monday night or Thursday night when they have special games. That's not a temptation to me. But it is a temptation to me to overcommit to reading too many books. It is a temptation to me to go and do too much on a weekend, so I'm exhausted when it comes back to Monday when i got to start working on shows again. It is temptation to me. It used to be to watch five hours of motor racing on the television. I mean, those are temptations for me. What, what did your temptations used to be? Um, Let me think, because I can relate to so many of the things you were talking about. Football? Um, you didn't like football. No. But did you ever? Cooking. You said it wasn't a temptation for you. You were just using it as it's no movie. longer a temptation for me. Oh, okay. It, so, well, you could spend I all day in the kitchen to watch a single minute of the Olympics this year. Yes, that was tough. I'm sorry. Oh, it, you know what? But I've lived, so I mean, it's okay. I, I'm I'm here speaking about it, so it's okay. Oh, but, but, but it is a temptation. Sixteen from- days of Olympics, but we were we we're busy, and it was just something we just had to say but no think to. Think about think about how that's one of those. That's an urgent thing. If you if you don't see it, then really you don't watch it. So people give up hours and hours and hours in order to watch it. And it, again, it's a wonderful thing that people are training themselves for and and pushing the limits and all that kind of stuff. But boy, it takes a lot of our our family time and away time. One of the things I think that we have learned or are learning in the last 30 years is that when we were both young, we were extraordinarily self-sufficient kind of people. We could just do that. We're just doers. We're just go and do. We're goers and doers. We just go go and get her done. We're a goer. We were goers and doers. That's right. Well, that's right. We were goers and doers. Okay. Thank you for making me repeat that three times. Okay. We're goers and doers, but self-sufficiency made us a slave. Whereas dependency on God makes us free, and it helps us to make more choice. I want to maintain the peace that I feel right now. I don't want to screw it up by saying yes to too many things, because God wants us to be at peace. He demonstrated that. Jesus demonstrated it. Jesus accomplished the transformation of our entire globe, and he didn't run anywhere. He didn't have a blog. He didn't have an exercise program. He didn't start a small group everywhere. He was he was intentional, and he did what his Heavenly Father asked him to do. You're listening to I Work For Him today with Jim and Martha as we're talking about the tyranny of the urgent. How is the enemy coming to kill? How is the enemy already kill, killing, stealing? I'm having a hard time with this one, Martha. Help me out. <laughs> killing, stealing, and destroying from your life through the tyranny of the urgent. If you're just tuning in right now, wow, thanks so much for tuning in. Love to have you join us back on the podcast or the archives so you can hear the whole discussion based all on a book by Charles Hummel, the late Charles Hummel. A book written 50 years ago. Imagine how stressed out he was back then compared to how he would be today. Martha, I think it's important that we do a little bit of, hey, here's what we do with this. Uh, You know, for some people, we've told them to start budgeting their time. When we work with married couples and I work with business owners, we just budget your time. You only get 24 hours. You don't get any extra. You can't add any of the calendar. And technically, as a business owner, you only get 20. As a Christ-following business owner or Christ-follower period, you get how many hours? 23. Why is that, Martha? Well, because we have been told through example and shown that giving an hour, the beginning of your day, to the Lord is uh, just really the best way to to focus. It's transformational. It really is. Also very hard to do on a daily basis because getting up earlier is tough to do. All right. But we need to just start. We need to start budgeting our time. Just like you budget your money. 
How do you budget your time? Because guess what? Your time is even more valuable than your money because you never can get any more. You can sometimes get more money, not always, but you never get any more time. So track your time like a budget. Some, if, if you don't know why, you know where your money's being wasted, track every hour of the day for a month or so and see where your time wasters are. How much time do you spend watching TV? Oh, we don't watch much TV. I have people tell me that all the time. They're like, really? Well, how much do you watch? Well, we watch like an hour a day. Do you realize that in a month, that's 30 hours? I've heard that there's apps that will help you to track your time so you can really see how you're spending it. And there's no, it's just easy. Is it? Well, how can it work? I mean, is it like uh, one of those things you put in your a pedometer? No, no, no. Is it a pedometer you, for you, your time or you what? You enter it in there, but oh. it's just a good way then to analyze it. I'm thinking you should get a piece of paper and track it. Well, of course, but everybody learns differently, Jim. That's right. So there's a get a time app. Figure out what you're doing. All right. So allocate your time. Start off with quiet time. Then other priorities like your spouse, your family, then your work, and then see if you have any time left. You need margin. You need margin for traffic. You need margin for eating. You need margin for sleeping. I know a lot of people that don't even have a margin for sleeping. Yeah, and one of the things I just want to challenge people is when you're looking at those priorities, not just saying, you know, I want to spend this much time with my family, but what intentionally important, what are you prioritizing that time to be? Is it dinner time and devotion? Is it... um, one intentional activity a week of learning, things like that. You know, one of the things that we have decided is that on any major decisions, Martha and I do not make decisions on the fly, period, about how we commit our time, how we spend our money. We just don't make, we don't make on the fly decisions. And that really is a protector. Yeah. In fact, years ago, our pastor said to us, he said, if in his decision making that if they had to have an answer right away, then the answer was going to be no. Yeah. And that's a great one. So that's why when people call you on the phone and they say, hey, you got a little bit of extra time? No. Practice saying, no. Everybody along with me say, no. no. Jose, join in. Everybody say, no. no. That's right. One more time. No. Everybody, no. no. That's right. No. no. All right. And no to those time wasters. No to the enemy trying to kill, steal, and destroy. No to the tyranny of the urgent. Yes to the peace that comes, that passes all understanding that comes with following Jesus Christ. Wow. That was fun, Martha. That was a good time. That was good. And we would just encourage people to get a, this little book, The Tyranny of the Urgent. That's right. Read it like yearly, I think. It's a good thing. To, it's yeah. a great thing. And all right, but we're in a hurry. We got to go. Okay. So. No. <laughs> all right. No, that's right. Hey, we come to the end of another I Work For Him radio program. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope that you learned something, that you were challenged by something we said today that drove you to your knees to be, dig deeper in your faith and apply what you learned on Sunday to what you do on Monday through Friday. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, and we own our own business, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.